You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. We are in a series called Increase, and it's a new series. This is just week two, and we're talking about how if we want increase in our life, there's a few things that we need to do. We need to increase Jesus, and we need to decrease ourselves. And last week, we kind of laid the foundation for this series, and we talked about how whatever area of your life that you want to see increase in, in 2023, if you want to increase in your marriage, in your finances, in your work, in your health, then what do we need to do? We need to increase Jesus in those areas, in that specific area for you, but you also need to decrease yourself. What does that mean? It means to humble ourselves. And so if we want increase in our marriage, what do we need to do? We need to increase God's will for our marriage and decrease our own agenda, our own will, our own ideas or opinions and submit to him and exalt his ideas and his thoughts and his ways. And we will see increase in our marriage. And this applies to so many different things in our life, so many different areas. But this principle, it comes from a a phrase that John the Baptist said whenever he was in his ministry and then Jesus was really taking off and starting to grow in his ministry. And some disciples came to John the Baptist and they said, John, like, Jesus is, is gaining more popularity than you. And uh, what, what, what is exactly happening here? And John the Baptist, he replied in John 3.30, this is our key verse for the series. He said this, he said, he, meaning Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. And this is something that John was saying for his ministry and for him specifically, but this principle can apply to every single one of us because this is a principle of humility. In every area of my life, if I will humble myself and if I will exalt God and His will and His word in that area, I will see increase. I will see increase because what I'm doing is I'm humbling myself or decreasing, getting myself out of the way and opening the door for God to work fully in that area. But so many times what happens is we need increase in an area of our life. And so we lean in almost too much and we say, well, I'm just going to force my hand. I think this is what we should do. And so I'm just going to go for it. And we almost exclude God. We don't even pray. We don't even include him. We don't even look to his word for guidance. And we just lean in and say, this is what we're going to do. And God is almost standing there saying, I could help in a much greater way if you would Move and submit to what I want to do in this situation or in this area of your life. And so today, here's what we're going to talk about. Today, we're talking about the area of our life of finances, of money, and of, of, of generosity towards other people. And so today, we're talking about how do we have increase in our finances? How do we have increase in our finances? In order to do this, we need to talk about uh, how to increase Jesus, how to increase his principles in our finances, in our thoughts towards money, in our behavior with our money. We need to talk about how do we exalt God's ways when it comes to us handling our money. Y'all, so I don't know about you, but I, I, I will take some increase in my finances, right? I think all of us would agree I, can, I could benefit, we could benefit from some increase in our finances. And so today we're going to talk about how do we see and how do we open the door for God to work fully in our money and in our finances? In order to do this, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a couple things. We're going to talk about how do we get the heart of Jesus when it comes to money, when it comes to being generous, when it comes to our finances. Because what happens is we realize, just like our key verse says, there's an increase of Jesus, but there's also a decreasing 
of us or our own ideas or our own ways. And so first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about how do we decrease ourselves? What are some things that are in our life that in every, it's in everyone's life when it comes to money that we need to decrease or cut out or overcome or get rid of. And so point number one, if you're taking notes, hopefully you are, even though you might not have a binder and a note-taking card, get out a notebook, get your Bible. We're going to be in Deuteronomy 15 today. Maybe take out your phone, take some notes. Point number one is this, is to reject a selfish heart. If I'm going to increase Jesus in my finances, one of the things I've got to decrease in myself is I need to reject having a selfish heart because a selfish heart will keep me from being generous. And God's word commands us to be generous. Let's look at our key verses here, our key passage in Deuteronomy 15 for today. Deuteronomy 15, 7, it says this, Jesus or or God is establishing uh, some Uh, some things in their culture that he wants them to do, how he wants them to behave. And in here, this is what he's saying. Deuteronomy 15, verse seven. He says, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Verse nine, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. Here's what's happening here. As God is establishing these behaviors in his people, he's saying you need to learn to be generous, and you need to learn to help other people. One of the reasons why, we'll talk about this more in just a second. One of the reasons why God is establishing this, it's found in verse 7. He says, as you're in the gates of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you. God is constantly reminding his people, look, everything you have is a gift from God. All the good things in your life, the finances you may have, the good things in your life, the family you may have, the good family, it is what? It's a gift from God. He says, freely you've received, now it's time to freely give. You should be a channel from God to other people. He's constantly, even in the Old Testament, establishing that principle of being a channel from God to other people. That's what, what's God's heart. And so here's what would happen in these situations. Every seven years, debts would be canceled. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good, right? Let's bring that back. Come on now. Every seven years, it was called the year of release. Debts would be canceled. It was almost a reset button for culture and for different things. And he's saying, look, you may be in a situation where you see someone in need, But you know that the year of release, that seventh year is coming up and you're hesitating to give to them because you think you're going to give and then we're going to hit the year of release and you're not going to get anything in return. You're not going to get paid back. You're not going to get paid back with your interest. And so it's going to be a bad investment for you. And he's saying you need to beware of that. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, do not let selfishness, selfishness allow you to think that you might not get paid back for what you give. He's showing us here that selfishness is wickedness to God. Selfishness is wickedness to God. In fact, it's found in verse 9. He says, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. What is that wicked thought? I am going to hang on to my stuff because I, I, I don't want to give and not get paid back. I'm going to hang on to my stuff to just make sure that I'm covered. And so sorry, I know you're in need. I know I have a little bit extra that I could help you out, but I don't think I'm willing to do that. He's saying that's wicked. That's a wicked thought that's crept into your heart. Here's what happens though. We are born selfish. I think we all know this, right? If you have kids, if you've even been around kids, right? Maybe you've babysat kids, whatever. If you've been around kids, you know 
We're born selfish, right? Put two kids in a room on Christmas morning and whatever presents they open, are they gonna be sharing that openly? Most kids, no. They're not gonna be sharing it openly with all the kids, right? I remember when Gavin was really young and we'd have people over to the house and there was always this fight. Kids would come and there's always this fight for, well, this is my toy. This is the one I want to play with, right? What are they doing? It's, it's selfishness. It's I want to take care of myself first and you can just take care of yourself. We're born selfish, but the good news is this, we are born again, when we become a believer, we're born again generous. Why? Because God gives us His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, on the inside of us, and the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, He can't help it. The Holy Spirit is God. What is, who is God? God is a generous God. He's a generous living God who wants to give, who's always been about giving towards His people. For God so loved the world that He gave his only son, right? We serve a generous God. And so when he comes to dwell on the inside of you, now we have attention. Now we have our flesh that was born selfish, but we have a new spirit that wants to be generous. And we get to choose who will we let win. When the opportunity shows up for me to be generous with other people, and I have the means to help them out, I have to choose who will I let win? My flesh, which would be sinful, or my spirit, which would honor God. James 4.17 makes it very clear. He says this, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Basically this, when I see an opportunity and I know that I'm supposed to help someone out financially or with my time or with my talent or with my business, whatever it might be, I see an opportunity, I know I'm supposed to help, but I don't. I let selfishness win. God's word says that's sin. I am now walking in sin. Why? Because I chose not to reject a selfish heart. I chose not to decrease myself in that situation and increase Jesus. And so what happens is I'm actually hurting myself. I'm not just hurting them by not helping. I'm actually hurting myself. So the first thing we need to decrease is we need to reject a selfish heart. And the second one is this. We need to overcome a grieving heart. Overcome a grieving heart heart. <clears throat> Let's continue. Deuteronomy 15. We're going to go to verse 10 here. It says this, you shall surely give to him. We're talking about the same person. You shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. Let me just read that verse again, because there's a lot in here. You shall surely give to your brother in need. And your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. Here's what he's saying. God will bless your work and to all to which you put your hand. Why? Because you are decreasing yourself. And what are you doing? You are increasing him. When you increase the heart of God in your finances and in your generosity, what does he do? He says, I'm going to increase all your work and to everything you put your hand. Do I need to increase in my finances? Do I need to increase in, in my career? Do I need to increase in favor at work? Where does it start? It starts with being generous. It starts with having the heart of Jesus. But here's what happens. We've talked about you know, over rejecting a selfish heart. How do we overcome a grieving heart? What happens is there's a, there's a one-two punch that happens here. Selfishness attacks before you give. Grief attacks after you give. Selfishness will keep you from giving in the first place. But what happens is when you give, if you choose to be generous, 
there's going to be an option for you to grieve what you gave away. Uh, I'm giving it, but I shouldn't have done that. Now I wish, now I'm worried about, am I going to make ends meet? I'm worried about maybe God's not going to provide for me. And grief begins to set in. But what's interesting is this, is that we don't grieve. Let let me say it this way. We don't have to grieve because we are giving what isn't ours. That's a better way of saying it than what I had written down. We don't grieve whenever we give because we acknowledge the fact that everything I have in my hands, every good thing that I have in my life is God's and it's from God. So when I choose to give to to other people, there's no reason for me to grieve because I know that if God has so graciously provided for me in the past, when I give to someone in need and I do what his word says, I know that this promise from Deuteronomy 15, 10, it will apply to my life as well. That God will bless my work and he'll bless everything that I put my hand to. So I don't grieve whenever I give because I believe the promises of God. And that's really what it comes down to. If I grieve in giving, every time I give, if I'm just like, oh man, I just, I don't want to, but I know I'm supposed to. If I'm grieving every time I'm giving, hear me in this, let me pastor you here, hear me. It reveals that I have a lack of faith in the character of God. Let me say that again. If I grieve in giving, in my generosity, if I'm always grieving, it reveals that I have a lack of faith in the character of God. Of God, I don't believe that God will bless my work. He will prosper everything that I put my hand to. But when I have faith in the character of God, I know, Lord, you provided me with all this good stuff. And when I see a need, if I can help, I'm going to step in and I'm going to help. And I believe that you're going to use me as a channel. And as I send out, you're going to send more to me to make sure that I am cared for, to make sure that my work is blessed, to make sure that my family is fed and that I am good to go. So what do we need to do? The first things that we need to do is we need to what? Decrease some things in our lives. We need to reject a selfish heart. That's before we give. We need to decrease or overcome a grieving heart. That's after we give. Don't grieve it. Don't don't wish you didn't because you know that God is going to come through. He's going to provide your need. Point number three is this. We're starting now to change gears from decreasing us. How do we increase now the heart of Jesus in our generosity, the heart of Jesus in our finances? The first thing we need to do is we need to develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. And we use the word develop here very strategically because what happens is the more that you give when people are in need, the more that you are generous, the more you become like Jesus. And the thing is, it's, it's just like a channel. Whenever I choose to be generous, the more that I am generous, I can't outgive God. I am sending out and God is going to backfill and send more my way. So what happens is the more that I give, the more that I develop this generous heart, what happens is I realize that God is true to his word. Man, I gave and it was a stretch for me. It was a step of faith for me to give to them, to pay for their groceries, to pay for their gas. It was a step for me to to go out of my way and take that extra two hours and mow their yard. When I am generous to someone else, I then see, you know what? I did that, but God showed up. I gave to them, but man, God took care of us. I don't know how, but he showed up. Every bill was paid. Every need was met. Man, God is good. And so what happens is I begin to create some momentum in my generosity and I develop a generous heart. Let's look at our our key passage here. Deuteronomy 15 verse 14 says this, you shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press for what the Lord your God has blessed you with 
you shall give to him. There's another example of what? The channel. God has blessed me with this stuff. Now I am going to have a generous heart and I'm going to give it to other people, realizing that it's not mine to begin with. God's entrusted me with it. I'm going to be a good steward and I'm going to take care of God's people while I'm here on this earth. Uh, You know, giving something that is dear to my heart reveals that I truly trust God. If you have an issue giving money to someone in need, whenever you choose to give, it shows that you are growing in your faith. When you choose to give cheerfully saying, man, normally I used to not give anything to anyone. If I saw someone in need, I thought, well, that's too bad. If I had a friend in need, I thought, well, good luck. I'll be praying for you, brother. But now you say, man, can I step in? Can I give them something? Can I give them a gift card? Can I buy them groceries? Can I step in in any way? When I choose to do that, it shows that I am maturing in my faith. I'm I'm saying, Lord, I acknowledge that what you've given me is from you. And so, Lord, I want to be a good channel. I want to be a good steward of what you've given me. Help me find the opportunity to bless other people people. First John makes it very clear. First John verse three, it says this first John three sixteen, He says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well, and he sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, Let us show the truth by our actions. This is why at Abide Church, we say we want to help people live, love, and look like Jesus. We say to live like Jesus is to serve like Jesus. To love like Jesus is to give like Jesus. And this is what this verse is exactly talking about. We know what love is because Jesus gave to us his life, the ultimate sacrifice he gave to us. And he's saying, look, If you truly love someone, you don't just say it, right? It's not just lip service, but what is it? It's backed with the truth of your actions. And whenever you do that, you are proving, you know, I really do love you. I'm going to show you how much I love you. Not just say it, but I'm going to care for you. I'm going to step in if I can, and I'm going to help in any way that I can. Point number four is this. Keep a grateful heart and put God first. Keep a grateful heart and put God first. This is one of the most important things that we could talk about when it comes to increasing Jesus in our finances is is the condition of our heart. Maintaining and keeping a grateful heart, also backing it though with action, which is to put God first in our finances. So let's finish our passage here. Deuteronomy 15, 15 says this, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. This is how God wraps up this section here. He's saying, why is God commanding his people to be generous people? God commands them to give because they've received God's generosity. God's reminding them, look, you were a slave in Egypt, but I redeemed you. And now I've set you free. And now because of that, I am commanding you to do what I've done. Go and help other people. You may say, well, Pastor Dan, I wasn't a slave in Egypt, so how does this apply to me, right? Well, we weren't slaves in Egypt, but Romans 6 says that you were a slave to sin. You were a slave to sin, but what did God do? God redeemed you, so now He commands us to be generous. 
You were a slave, never meant to stay a slave to sin. God sees you. He loves you. He sent his son to redeem you. Now he says, go freely. You've received my generosity. Now freely give towards other people. It's easy to be generous when I remember what God's done for me. When I remember where I was before Jesus, when I remember how I was before Jesus, when I remember how God's shown up in the past in my marriage, how he's shown up in the past in my finances, how he's shown up in the past at my work, when I needed help, when I needed encouragement, when I needed purpose, when I remember God's faithfulness, when I remember all that he's done for me, it's easy for me to keep a generous heart and a grateful heart. And I'll take it a step further. It's easy to put God first when I remember all he's done for me. It's not just easy to be generous when I remember all that God's done for me, but it's easy to put God first when I remember all that he's done for me. And what does it mean to put God first in our time, our, our finances? One of the easiest ways, the most important ways to do this is through our tithe. It's a, it's a word that we see in Scripture in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. We see it before the law. It's not just tied to the Old Testament. We see it before the law. We see Jesus talk about it in the New Testament, how it's an important thing to do. Tithing is when I give the first 10%, the first 10% of my income, the first 10% that leaves my hand, I give that back to the local church, to God, to the house of God, to the bride of Christ. It's the first 10% to leave my hand. Whether you know it or not, some people, uh, maybe you haven't been taught about this, some people are, are giving their tithe, but their tithe money, that first 10% is going to the mortgage, it's going to uh, the cable bill, it's going to the internet, it's going to the electric company. Whatever that first 10% is going, that's who you're giving your tithe to. But what happens is too many people, they pay their bills and then it's like, uh-oh, I don't have enough left over for God. I, you know, we, we did it. And if I have enough left over, then I'll give my tithe. But they realize that they don't realize that that's not tithe anymore. That's just an offering. Our tithe is the first 10%. Why? Because it's putting God first and it's showing God that we have faith and we trust that he is going to help us with the rest. I'll make it a little more clear. Many times we forget that it's the first 10% that redeems the rest. This is why oftentimes we say that God can do more with 90% than we can with 100% of our income. God can do more than 90% than we can with 100% of our income. Another way of saying it is this, God can do more with a redeemed 90% than you can with a cursed 100%. Many times we fail to remember that if we're not tithing, we fail to remember that whenever I choose to honor God, His Word shows us that I am redeeming that first 10% redeems the rest of my finances, but not just that. It redeems the everything that my finances touch. So it redeems every part of my area because what are our finances finances touch? Everything, right? Your finances touch your, 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 your clothes, your, your food, your house, your car. It touches every part of your life. And so when I honor God first, first 10%, it redeems the rest. And God can do more with a redeemed 90 than we can with a cursed 100%. And it's not that God is cursing your finances, but when we choose to not honor God with our tithe, we are actually removing ourselves from his blessing and we are choosing to operate under a cursed system. And so that's why so many times you hear two testimonies when it comes to tithing. Two testimonies. And the first one is this. Well, we can't afford to tithe. The second testimony is we are so blessed. 
Those are the only two testimonies you ever hear when it comes to tithing. Because if you say we can't afford to tithe, I'll tell you this, you'll never be able to afford to tithe until you begin to tithe. Because God can't work in your finances to his fullest um, want to, to his fullest desire until I choose to honor him first. But what happens is this, I can tell you from our life personally, Leslie and I, early on in our marriage, we did not have a lot of money. It was, it was tough. Our, our food budget was like minimal, okay? Like going to Aldi and even trying to find the cheap stuff at Aldi. Anybody been there before? You know what I'm talking about? But in all of it, if anyone had an excuse to say, we can't afford to tithe, it would have been us. But we had been taught and we knew God's word. And we knew that when we choose to honor God first, with our first 10%, he will redeem the 90%. And in doing so, we will never go without, meaning every need will be met. And that has been our testimony, that we've been so blessed. If you were to look at our budget back then, if you were to look at how much money we had coming in versus how much we had to go out to make ends meet, you would say, I don't know how this is possible. And that's exactly the point. Sometimes you're going to be in a season of life where you are truly tithing in a way where it's like, Lord, we can't afford to, but we're choosing to anyway. And God says, I will step in and I will use a redeemed 90% to go so much farther than you could with 100% on your own. There's two, two testimonies. We can't afford to tithe. Well, that's yeah, because God's not operating fully in your finances. You haven't decreased yourself and increased him in your finances. The other is we're so blessed. And that's the testimony of people who said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to decrease my own pride. I'm going to decrease my own selfishness. I'm going to decrease my grieving heart. I'm going to choose to be generous. I'm going to choose to put you first. I'm going to increase you in those ways. And by doing so, we open the door for God to work fully in our lives. Another thing to remember with tithing is this. So many times people get hung up on that's a legal thing and it's from the law and it's a legalistic thing. But I want to remind you of this. God sees your heart. So there might be a time, and I'm maybe I'll just say this to set somebody free today to, to take a burden off your back. There might be a time in your life where you just lost track of what day it was. You lost track that maybe it was payday that day and you went out and you had to buy some milk and eggs at the grocery store. And then you get back and you realize, oh man, it was payday. We had direct deposit. Direct deposit came in and the first part of the first 10% that went out was for milk and eggs. I guess that means that this paycheck's going to be cursed. Let me put your mind at ease. It's not. Okay. God sees your heart. He knows that maybe it was an accident. Maybe you overlooked something. Maybe you, you got something mixed up. But when you choose to be consistent in putting God first, I'm going to do what scripture tells you to do. It says, test God, try God in it and see if he will not show up in your finances in such a great way that you won't have room enough to receive all the blessing and all the favor that will come in your finances. But where does it start? It starts with trusting God. By tithing, making him, giving him the first 10%, putting him first. But how do I do that? What's that action is backed by a grateful heart. A grateful heart. So I'm going to show you in Exodus 13. This is where I'll wrap up today. Exodus 13. It's very similar to the verse that we just looked at a little bit earlier. And in this, God is talking about the principle of putting him first. He's talking about first fruits and firstborn. He's talking about how do we honor God with the first of all of our increase. And at the end of it, Exodus 13, verse 14, it says this, so it shall be when your son asked you in the time come, to come saying, what is this that you shall say to him by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Here's what this verse is talking about. He's saying at some point, 
God is telling his people at some point, the next generation is going to look at you and they're going to say, why are we sacrificing the first, uh, first fruit, uh, the first of our animal, the firstborn of our animals? Why are we giving God the, the first fruits of our produce that's coming in? Why are we giving God the first? Why are we tithing? Why do we give towards the house of the Lord? Why do we take the first 10% of all of our increase and return it to God? He said, at some point, the next generation is going to ask you, and he said, here's what you need to tell them. You need to remind them, sit them down and tell them a story. He's saying, sit them down and say, son, we weren't always landowners. We weren't always free. We weren't always in this position that we are now. We used to be slaves in Egypt. And explain to them how God, through his mercy and through his grace, showed up in such a powerful way that he redeemed them and he set them free. And because of that, they can be free. And so because of that, we gladly and we freely give God and put him first in our finances and give and return to him the first 10% of all of our income. And can I tell you, it's the same way for us today. Whenever I choose and whenever I have a temptation to be selfish, a temptation to say, well, I really need this. I don't feel like tithing, but I really need this. At some point, there's going to be that moment with my son, Gavin, Dad, why do, we, why do we do this? Why do we do it? Beyond just, well, you need to give your tithe. Why do we do it? Because before Jesus, we were slaves. Before Jesus worked in my life, I was in trouble. Before Jesus showed up to the fullest in my marriage and in our work, we didn't have, we weren't doing all that God had for us. But God with his mighty hand being so gracious to us, he showed up in a big way and he set us free. And because of that, we gladly give to God the first of all of our increase. I don't have a problem giving because I know that I have a good heavenly father who takes care of me. So let me wrap up with this today. I know we've kind of, we've, we've talked about a lot of different things. So let me kind of break it down and wrap it up really quick. If we want to see increase in our finances, we need to increase Jesus in our finances. Practically though, we also need to decrease ourselves. How do we do that? We need to reject a selfish heart before you give. You need to overcome a grieving heart after you give. We need to develop a generous heart. That when you see someone in need, you step in and help. Because remember what James said, if I see a need and I can meet it, but I choose not to, what is it? It's sin and it puts a block between me and God. And lastly, I need to keep a grateful heart by putting God first. God's blessing and favor will be on your finances when you remind yourself of his goodness and you keep a grateful heart and you put him first by giving him the first 10% of all of your increase. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for your finances today as well. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. And Lord, I thank you for your word. As always, we thank you that your word is a guide to us. It helps us. It shows us truth. It helps us get better. Lord, it helps us experience your will. And so, Lord, today I pray that as we have talked about different things in your word that we can apply to our life, specifically to our finances. Lord, I pray and I just ask that would you move would you give us the strength, Holy Spirit? Would you give us the, the ability to truly walk this out 
so that we can see your goodness. Would you help us as we build our faith in trusting you and develop a generous heart? Lord, would you continue to trust us with more so that we can be a great representation of you to other people? And Lord, I just pray as we honor you with the first 10% of our income, your word says that you would throw open the windows of heaven, pour out so much blessing on our lives that we would not have room enough to receive it. And that's our prayer for today, Lord. We don't, we don't give so we can get more. No, Lord, we give because we truly are thankful that you've set us free, that you've put us on the path to life and life abundantly and eternal life. And because of that, Lord, we will gladly give and we will gladly put you first. We thank you for these good things. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.